Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Hope you're having a good weekend so far. I'm with you until seven this Saturday morning. After six, I'm in conversation. But first, it's the best of Steve Allen. My weekly roundup of some of the best bits from my early breakfast shows, starting with this. Kim Kardashian is now telling us that apparently when the robbers uh, took her jewellery, she was naked under her dressing gown. And I couldn't help feeling that we're all naked under our dressing gowns. When you put your dressing gown on, you've generally got no clothes on underneath. Otherwise, you take the dressing gown off and go round waving yourself at your Auntie Enid, who'd be sitting in the sitting room choking on a digestive biscuit. I told you years ago I had that problem when... I did have pyjamas, and until I got to about the age of, I think it was about 14, um, the pyjamas had a cord at the front, which you sort of tied up, but they had a fly, but it was an open fly. And I can remember, you know, you, you, my, when my parents had dinner parties, which they had, uh, you know, fairly frequently, uh, you would go downstairs to say goodnight. It was a bit like the Von Trapp family. We didn't have to stand on the stairs and sing, you know, so long, farewell. We didn't do that in our family. We weren't that stupid. There was only two of us anyway. And I refused to do the girls' voices. So, and I can remember sort of coming downstairs and, and uh, mum and dad would say, oh, uh, Stephen and Andrew have come, come to say goodnight. And I can remember distinctly leaning over my auntie at the time and my willy fell out. Into, and she was quite polite about it. She didn't say anything. And I, and my mum, willy away, willy away. Oh, and quickly put your willy away. But I mean, that was it. Ever since then, my mother sewed the flies up. It was a lot easier to save the embarrassment. I mean, otherwise, my auntie could have thought it was another teaspoon or something. You know, could have had all sorts of nasty experiences. But uh, but that's the thing. So, uh, so pyjamas, so they go, so Kim Kardashian, she was wearing a dressing gown and she was naked underneath it. As if it turned it into some sort of sex crime or something. I was naked with a gun to my head. Gives you a rough idea, dear. They weren't remotely interested in you, were they? They were more interested in the in the jewels. She's naked. Oh God, no! Leave it, please. It's Kim Kardashian. Always interesting, isn't it? Uh, are you worried about the the boss spying on you twenty four seven? No, bring it on, bring it on. I have no problem if my boss wants to sort of access cameras in my flat or something like that. I shall purposely walk around with my famous pajamas on. But, of course, I don't have any pyjamas, so he's in for a bit of an eyeful, I should imagine. What a funny thing to do. What they're thinking about is fitting workers with electronic trackers. Oh, I'm not sure about that. You could track somebody on a telephone, though, can't you? But uh, these ones apparently have got a, a microphone for a real-time voice analysis. Do you remember years ago, uh, companies used to get people to apply for a job in their own handwriting, and then they would bring in a graphologist who would tell them exactly what that person was like and whether or not they were the right person for the job. You were, you were basically judged on your handwriting. So I started doing block capitals. In fact, my, my goddaughter the other day asked me why I write uh, with a Sharpie, because I do use Sharpies a lot for writing. And I said, I don't know why. I said, I've just always used a Sharpie for writing. I've got a cover that goes over my, my Sharpie, so it makes it look very posh. I gave one to, uh, to Daniel Radcliffe. He took it. That's my claim to fame. And yes, name dropping there, as I was saying only to Jesus the other day, as we were having one of our private conversations. But um, yes, floods? What floods? <laughs> Phil the Trucker says, perhaps you should call your PJs Chernobyls because of the dangerous fallout problem. Thank you. Yes. I mean, I'm glad you, <laughs> glad my, uh, my my misery caused you such uh, such joy. And uh, Mo says, my daughter and I both use a fountain pen to write personal. What's a Sharpie? 
It's one up from a fountain pen. You know, you, you've actually got a fountain pen. I've got a Sharpie. That's the super deluxe version of writing. Comes in different colours. And, uh, and it's particularly nice, actually. Steve Allen on LBC. Oh, that's nice, actually. Uh, Katie Price, for her latest calendar, uh, she's had to go completely naked. Wow, that's really... Ooh, sorry, I'm really sick there. I felt quite bilious. And um, it's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? So they've stuck some sort of bit of fake hair on her. She's got the cheap tart tattoos up her leg, hanging onto her fake breasts. And that apparently is glamorous, is it? God. The trouble is, everybody knows she's not. That's the trouble. She's not glamorous. And also, why she bother hiding it? She's made a porno film, for goodness sake. What's the point? We've seen everything, darling. You've got nothing left to hide. Looked a bit tired then. And now they've got these sort of emotion. But then, of course, you realise, she go, yeah, I think... Do you remember that lovely programme she did on the television, which nobody watched? And uh, she looks out the studio window and goes, are the paparazzi out there? And somebody went, no. <laughs> Look at the state of it, honestly. Small wonder Kieran cheated. <laughs> Found somebody much more natural and much more interesting. And so when, when, when she winks, she looks like she's got a lazy eye, doesn't she? She looks like she's got, oh, I've got conjunctivitis. Looks a bit like O'Brien. Look, and she's got a packet of crisps in her hand. Poor soul, honestly. Worst dressed so-called glamour model. They kind of, although nobody asks her to do glamour modelling. But she's gone completely naked. Unfortunately, she hasn't. Which is just as well. Otherwise, most of your children will be turning gay quite quickly. You know, it's really, it's just gross. What is the matter with her? Perhaps she's, perhaps she's got some ill... Perhaps there is an illness. Perhaps there's sort of a, an illness about, you know, look at me, look at me, look at me. Unfortunately, poor old Kerry Katona, she couldn't be attractive if her life depended on it. Oh, that's an early picture, isn't it, of her, of her topless? But they've had to cover up her nipples or something. What, they, they sort of out of sync or something? Perhaps she's got one upstairs and one downstairs. I don't know, it's all very odd. But uh, in the days when she looked glamorous, unfortunately now she doesn't look glamorous. She just looks like a tired old Botoxed old baggage who's sort of desperately clinging up. But mind you, Kieran's not fussy, is he? He'll take anybody. That's why he cheated twice. These are very early shots, aren't they? Yeah, late 90s. They'd have to be. She hadn't had Botox by that time. She looked relatively normal. And she turned out to be mad as the barrel load of broomsticks that we all thought she was in the first place. In fact, she's actually got worse over the years. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Ricky Whittle and the sex tape. I mean, to be honest with you, this has been around for a little while, the Ricky Whittle sex tape. I don't know why he's getting his knickers in a twist. Oh, sorry, he wasn't wearing any knickers. Oh, do beg my pardon. And he thinks that it's actually going to harm his career. No more than any other old rubbish that you've done, mate. You know, if you don't want to perform in front of a webcam, you know, and then start kicking off like a big girl at the end of it, you did it. Nobody made you do it. Mind you, there is another one as well. There's another celebrity. I'm, I'm loath to mention this one. This is somebody who's been in the West End on numerous occasions. He's, uh, he would be described as fit and buff. And, um, and he's also got a sex tape out. Honestly, it's like an epidemic out there. I'm looking around here thinking, do you think there's anybody in this building who's got a sex tape out? I'm really hoping not, really hoping not. But uh, no, the other one who has a sex tape out, which has not hit the press, so I'll tell you in advance, is Adam Garcia. Check out Adam Garcia. He has a sex tape as well, just like Ricky Whittles. Only this time you hear Adam Garcia talking, which is slightly disturbing. Obviously, there must be loads of these coming out. I mean, frankly, it's like a who's who in show business. They've all gone... I've never made a sex tape. I mean, it's, uh, me, what, Steve, what, what, goodness, I mean, look. Look at me, look at the picture of me on the website. 
I mean, there is obviously the possibility in the future of the Steve Allen and Nick Ferrari vest and pant collection, which we're bringing out. I mean, some of mine will be in sort of slightly smaller sizes than Nick's. Nick's could be emblazoned with the Union flag. And uh, and I could have sort of, I don't know, I'm trying to think, a European flag on there or something. I think a vest and pants set, I think that makes an ideal Christmas gift for a loved one or an elderly person. I'm also thinking of having knickers with lights attached as well, which I thought could be very popular, you know, for, for people who like to go out and, you know, sort of get down with it, you know, get down with the kids. And if you've got little lights sewn into your pants, that could be a winner, couldn't it, really? You think, I, think it's a, I think it's a brilliant idea. But no, I've never made a sex tape. Nobody's ever asked me. I've never actually been targeted by anybody online, you know, going, uh, would you like to see my Lego? I go, sorry? Actually, I've got a train set as well. Really, have you? You know, I mean, it just, nobody's ever asked because I'm deeply unattractive, you know, and if somebody's deeply unattractive, I, I do this, this always works for me. I do the self-deprecating, but I go, I'm really, really unattractive. And by the way, I'm rubbish between the sheets, whereas in fact, I'm like dynamite. <laughs> Absolutely. I know. Woo. I tell you, chandelier, nothing. Top of the wardrobe, nothing. Small loincloth. Oh, that's me. I'm like that. I am Tarzan in the bedroom. I'm not really. I'm just making that up. Actually, make myself sound more interesting because sometimes people they listen to you on the radio and they think if you're that brilliant at radio, you've got to be brilliant at relationships. And I always go, well, I am, but I just don't want any. Really. They're just complicated. And also it makes things expensive. Excuse me. You know, I really wanted that cup of coffee this morning. I'm sitting here. It's so cold out there this morning. It really is. You know, you need the Steve Allen vest and pant collection to keep yourself nice and warm. And if you've got matching vest and pants, I mean, that's, I mean, that's quite an achievement, isn't it? I used to get, when I used to finish years ago overnight, I used to go and have a sauna. You know, was, you know chat away to people. In, not really. I, don't, I, didn't, I did go for a sauna, but I never, I never talked to people until the bloke in there one day. He said to me, he said, what do you do for a living? I said, oh, not, not really very much. He said, I recognise your voice. Oh, God. That was the last time I went to the David Lloyd Centre in the early hours of the morning for a sauna. You don't want to sit there, do you? You know, staring at the ceiling because you don't know where else to look. And, uh, and then people sort of know what you do for a living. I don't want to spoil the illusion that people have of me, you know. I could, I could have done a little show. So tell me, uh, how many times have you been in a sauna? You know, and I could do it sort of like that, like a sort of a voiceover thing. <laughs> I'm only joking. No, I did used to go. I was a member of the of the night crew at uh, David Lloyd's club up at Heston. There was only ever two of the uh, two of us in there. That was only ever two of us. We didn't uh, it didn't get beyond that at all. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Somebody said to me, "Have you got anything rude on your telephone?" I was like, "What?" As you know, pictures of yourself. Absolutely not. I mean, I don't even think I've got any selfies on the phone. But I bet there's probably a few people who've got, you know, pictures of themselves on the uh, on the phone. Not me. I've got pictures of me standing next to the Christmas tree in a big hotel in London. That's that's the last picture of me. Oh, no, sorry, the last picture is of me showing you a piece of fake grass. That's how interesting my pictures are. Or a picture of my breakfast at Patisserie Valerie's. You know, that's how exciting my pictures are. I don't do exciting pictures. I'm not that sort of person. I said it wouldn't be taking pictures of me climbing out the shower or anything like that. I mean, that would just be too horrendous for everybody. I'm just thinking, I take pictures. I've taken pictures of my car before now, um, which is, again, equally boring and dull. Uh, and I've got pictures here. Wait a minute, I'm just having a quick... Yeah, picture of fake grass, uh, Christmas tree in the hall at home, a uh, picture of this studio taken at 25 to 5 in the morning. 
more 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 pictures of fake grass uh, a picture of uh, my godchildren's sitting room after we'd attacked some of the presents then a picture of lots of other presents <laughs> they do very well picture of the magic circle theater uh, oh dear, it all jumped around all over the place. Picture of my gold Archiva award. Did I mention my gold Archiva award? Just mention it casually. I don't know why I took I don't remember taking pictures of that. I really don't. A picture of a cocktail I had. That's a drink. And uh, a picture of some other cocktails. And then a picture of my uh, my patio with some plants on it before they all burst, you know, out. A uh, picture of hanging baskets. And a picture of the, uh, of the mal when people were having that. Th- and that's it. This is LBC with Steve Allen. I was seeing the uh, the Twitter uh, remarks coming back after that ghastly old bag from Geordie Shaw went on to uh, to Celebrity Big Brother. She's not a celebrity. She's certainly big, though, in the rear-end department. And uh, just the most disgusting language I've ever seen on television. Perhaps it's their new thing on Big Brother to put on revolting, disgusting, low-rent, chavvy, disgusting old tarts and have them perform on television. Why don't they just sort of employ a load of old porno stars? Then we can do away with all this messing around with, oh, will you or will you not get your bits out for us? Because at some point they're all going to do it. Callum Best sitting there. What a big-headed man he is. Oh, dear me, honestly. Big-headed and no talent. But that seems to be most of the Big Brother house. They really are the lowest of the low. And you get these people from Geordie Shore. They probably think it's been really clever. I can't wait to see them. when they, I won't, of course, I won't be alive. When they get to about 50 and their career has been washed up for about 15 years and they've got nothing to do and they have to sort of go on television and admit that they've turned to hooking to try and make ends meet. Uh, somebody says, did you witness the terrible bullying of Kim by Nicola McLean and James Jordan? The foul language and aggression uh, from Nicola McLean showed towards Kim be enough to warrant her arrest for a public order offence says Chris in Brentwood. I mean, she is just disgusting, Nicola McLean. Well, we've seen her drunken antics, as indeed has her husband. She's a real class act, isn't she? Draping herself over an ex-footballer. And James Jordan was always a bully. He's never not been a bully. He's a nasty little piece of work. Wasn't he the one who said he wanted to go out and punch somebody in the face over something? That was when she was on I'm a Celebrity. Oh, horrible person. Horrible. But there again, you know, I say, give it another year, you won't be worrying about them because they won't even be in the site. Yeah, there'll be different people... Who, who fit into my into my radar. Um, and it certainly won't be James Jordan. It certainly won't be poor old Nicola McLean. Poor old bag. By that time, the husband will have divorced her because she's quite clearly a liability when she's drunk. Liability when she's sober, actually. But it's just, it's just the most awful language. I mean, I'm not a prude. Believe you me, I'm not a prude. But listening to these women... come And Colleen Nolan. Dear God. How much below the, the, the gutter line do you have to go to? Disgusting. Disgusting. But of course, they um, they were all getting very excited, weren't they, on Loose Women the other week when they were going, oh, she's been bullied by Big Brother. No, she's the bully. She's the bully. That's the thing. You've got to sort of, you know, got to bring it into uh, the thing. But there again, I'm sure they'll love talking to that cokehead, Daniela Westbrook, and probably sympathising, and she'll do the usual teary bit. Now she's dragged on the family. I suppose we're going to get that for uh, forever and a day. I laugh, actually, most of the things are called on Big Brother. But in this particular occasion, they were they were telling, you know, um, Colleen Nolan that she was fake. Which, of course, that's what they decided. The British public decided she was fake. So they told her she was fake. What does she do? Promptly burst into tears. This is the woman who bullied Katie Hopkins. Do you remember when, when Colleen bullied? Stinky old ashtray, Colleen. Oh, I'm going to give up smoking. <sighs> she can't get... She's a, a bundle of nerves. I'm going to lose weight. <sighs> no, you're not. And um, and she was on. Then she bursts into tears when somebody says, you're fake. 
And she was branded fake. You know, Callum Best branded big-headed, because he is. He's a tele- you know, big-headed, with, but with no reason for being big-headed. He's got no talent at all. He just wants to bed cheap women, which is the ideal place for him to go to, isn't it, big brother? And then you've got that... Um, Nicola McLean, I mean, the foul language that emanates from her. Her children must be delighted if they're of the age where they can watch and appreciate what mummy does for a living. Nothing. Flirt with other men apart from daddy. That can't be long for this world, can it, really? And then the other one, then sort of Jasmine Waltz, who just tries to bed somebody. Some poor old bag from Geordie Shaw comes in and demands all sorts of things and just has arguments. I mean, they oh, oh, actually, is it worse than Love Island? Is it worse than Love Island? I don't know, and I have to be quite honest with you, I've never seen Love Island, but it was so desperate the other day. They had a programme on the television which had celebrities on I've never heard of. Celebrities who they might or might not have been hookers from Liverpool. I've no idea, seriously. I mean, really, it could have been anybody at all. And then it turned out that one of them, one of the people on the panel, who was just quite, quite dull, was the voiceover man from Love Island. That was his claim to fame. He was the voice... What a boring git he turned out to be. And he said, oh, a lot of people expect to be a 45-year-old, you know, old man with sort of three kids or something like that. I thought, no, we expect you to be one of those silly people with funny voices that they put on Love Island and it won't go any further. But he seriously thought that he was a celebrity. He put himself up on a programme which was celebrity-based. But there's nobody celebrity on there. And, And I thought, the voiceover is the celebrity. I mean, how bad is that? Colleen Nolan thinks she's the nation's sweetheart, says Jane. She's a bit deluded and fake. Oh, she's certainly not the nation's sweetheart. Absolutely. Never was. She was. She never sang with the Nolans. She la-la'd. She never sang at all. She can't sing. We know. We've heard that before. Otherwise, she'd be singing all the time. But, of course, it's just another, another string to the bow. As I said before, you know, she announces to the world's press that her marriage is in trouble. And then, you know, I've got to try and, you know, because he's fallen out of love with me. I'm not surprised, judging by your behaviour in the Big Brother house. If that's what you like in the Big Brother house, in the full glare of the cameras, I can only imagine you must be three times as bad away from it. So he's sort of, Ray has fallen out of love with her. And um, and then she just she just behaves badly on, on the programme. And you think, what, what, what do you think you're doing? Don't you have the intelligence to realise that you could turn this to your advantage? Change the public's perception of you. Don't listen to a bunch of cackling old hags on loose women who are going, oh, it's awful, she's being bullied. You know, the only person who's remained dignified throughout all of this, as you know, is Jane Moore. The rest of them seem to jump on the back. Kay Adams, God dear. Has she been sitting around a cauldron of late? Of course she has. She looks like, because nobody's interested in her. Occasionally they let her front the programme. Most of the time they don't, because they want to bring it down to a level. Uh, Re-celebrity Big Brother... Lee says to spice it up, they should put a hamster in there and watch their faces as the programme's eight viewers vote for the hamster or even better, a leg of lamb. Yes, I mean, I, I think so. I think, to be honest with you, they're all just so rude. It's the language that I'm not, uh, I'm not handling. I mean, I I'm not really bothered about the bad language, to be honest with you. I just don't want to hear old, old slappers on the television coming up with bad... Nicola McLean is just disgusting. And that Jasmine Waltz creature, the sooner we kick her out of the country, the better. Dear me, dreadful. Uh, John says, what would be your choices for a new reality show? Cackling old hags versus hookers from Liverpool? Um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I just think that we're heading into that, that abyss whereby the more disgusting and the more vile somebody is, and the more drunk they are, the more they want to put them on television programmes. The more cocaine you've shoved up your nose, the more they want to put you on mainstream programmes. Steve Allen on LBC. I'm very upset about Ringling Brothers. It's been an institution for, God, about a hundred and something years over in uh, America. And a lot of our 
lion tamers. We have quite a few in this country that go abroad and work in circuses with animals that they've bred themselves. I think Thomas Chipperfield has got a has got a, a lion act. There's loads of other people. I've got books on it. Because I'm, I'm a huge fan of circus. I never thought that Ringling Brothers... Now, that's going to be interesting. You know what? That's interesting. Because there is one town in America which is known as Circus Town. And that place is Sarasota. Sarasota is Circus Town. For some reason, that was the winter quarters for the circus. You can see circus performers. I mean, they don't walk about in sparkly outfits up and down the street. But uh, Sarasota is Circus Town in America. I think they've got a big museum out there and, and everything else. I mean, it's, it's Kenneth Feld, the chairman of the uh, company which owns the circus, said it's been a very difficult decision for the entire family. So uh, it ends in May. They've said basically it's the high operating costs and the ongoing battles with animal rights groups. So is, are we saying that you cannot put any animals in circuses? And for that, are we including dogs, cats, budgies? We, is that what we're saying? Because there's a number of well-known acts in this country. I told you I went to see uh, a circus in uh, Twicken. They had a pussycat act. And then a few people complaining about it going, oh, a pussycat act. And you think, but wait a minute. Every single person trains their dogs and cats at home. You train it to walk to heel. You train it to sit, lie down. Guard dogs are trained. What's the difference? Is it, you know, and then you, and you clap the mushroom and the animals get off on it. If ever you've been to the Blackpool Tower Circus and watched the, watched the, watched the dogs playing football, they love it. It's exercise. But, of course, there's those people who stand outside and go, oh, no, it's cruel. Well, put it this way, it might be in certain aspects. We've seen it over the years. But there again, I can probably show you chapter and verse on children who've been bullied and abused so their parents can push them into little beauty pageants. Not unsimilar, ladies and gentlemen. Over in America, some have even lost their lives. But there's all sorts of people who go out there and sort of dress up as lions and everything else, wild animals, all this kind of thing. But uh, the, the, in the 1910... 1910s, the Ringling Brothers Big Top was said to use 335 horses, 26 elephants, 16 camels. They travelled on 92 railway carriages. It was, it was basic. We, we have a book out here which is called The Circus That Travelled by Train. And uh, that was Bertram Mill's Circus, which I went to see on numerous occasions at Olympia. And uh, I thought that was great. I can't remember that they had animals first time round. They didn't have animals. Whatever it was... You know, that's what circus is. Go, go abroad. You'll see animals in circuses. I understand what sort of uh, PETA say and all the other groups. And I understand that if somebody is, is using ill treatment to ill treat animals, well, then they should be they should be affected by it. But uh, mainly it's like a dog. You know, dog sit, biscuit, paw, paw. We do, I've seen people doing it. What's the difference? Is that yeah? Then SeaWorld, where of course the orca got its got its own back on the trainer and dragged her under and held her under until she died, and people went, "Whoa, no!" And you think, but look at what they're in. This is a whale. It's in all right, albeit a tank. It's not the ocean, is it? It's not the ocean. So that's why. And we've all been there. But there again, I've been to see bullfighting. The circus has said that the uh, remaining animals. Uh, including lions, tigers, camels, alpacas, kangaroos and llamas will go to suitable homes. I want a camel! I want a camel! You could put your hand up and get one. I want an alpaca! Oh no, they spit. Don't they? Alpacas spit. Kangaroo? No, I don't want a kangaroo. I think that's a boxing kangaroo. That could be useful, couldn't it? Don't touch the kangaroo! He'll lay you out. Yeah, we could find a friend for him, couldn't we? And a llama. They're, they're pretty. Alpacas you do for their hair because they have that soft hair. A lion's or tiger? Oh, a lion or t- I don't know. I'll have to think about whether I want a lion or a tiger. That'll freak the neighbours out, won't it? What was that noise we just heard? 
No, Steve just said he got a cat. <laughs> that could be exciting, couldn't it? Leading Britain's conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen. I did hear a story the other day of a, of a radio presenter. I can't tell you where this person is or anything like that. Working for BBC Local Radio. You know, that's the ones that sort of waste your money, truly. And uh, this particular person, I'm not going to name him, they have a paper reviewer. What for? Can't they talk or something? It's really embarrassing, isn't it? Really, when somebody goes, oh, you have to fill out the programme. We brought a paper reviewer in. I mean, goodness sake, honestly. These people. I was listening to a, a presenter a uh, short while ago, and uh, this particular person was doing their last programme on the station they were working for. Talk about sounding tiddled. Oh, my dear me, honestly. I've never, ever, well, once, done a programme after a few drinks. And to be honest with you, it's not physically possible to do a programme you, because you've got no idea what's going on. You just And also, the time drags. Something chronic, at least if you're sober, which I mean, I would hope I was sober doing this programme. Well, in fact, I'm pretty certain I'm sober. You know, it, it, it goes through really quickly. Sometimes it whizzes through and you get to sort of five o'clock and then you go, right, now we're into, and then six o'clock. And then you think, God, I've only got an hour left. And so it goes through really, really quickly. There'll be other presenters listening to this, desperate to have a programme where they can speak more than three links in an hour. You know, because I couldn't do that. When I used to work on a music station years ago in Austria uh, for my sins, um... I used to cut the record short so I could talk. No, I used to get so bored with playing record. I was thinking, who wants to listen to this record? I'm marginally more interesting. So I used to fade it down and just talk. The engineers over there who all wore white coats because they were called uh, technicians. So they wore white coats. It was a bit like sort of working for Clinique or something like that, except they knew nothing about makeup. They were Austrian. And, um, and, and you'd say, oh, just fade it down. But Steve, only just start. And you go, now just fade the music down. I'm more interesting. I've got things to talk about. And I would talk about all sorts of things. And the programme became really good. All the Americans who listened to it used to think, oh, this is more like home radio, talk radio as it should be. Talk radio where you've got somebody entertaining enough to keep people's attention for three hours. Or five, as we did one time. We did five hours one time. I can't believe we ever did five hours. We used to finish the programme and, well, we thought we finished it and then start again. This is LBC with Steve Allen. The richest club now is Man United. Uh, how much have they turned over? 2015, 2016? £515 million. That's how rich they are. And just to prove that they really care for their fans, ladies and gentlemen, you might be a fan of Man United, uh, this coming season, they're going to release three brand new strips. So, uh, well done, a fan of Man United. You get right royally ripped off, don't you? Supporters have already been hit with three new kits this campaign, with a child's kit costing 88 quid and an adult's 103. Somebody says, why would fans want a new home kit every season? It's so money-driven. Of course it is. But then fans are easy for the pickings, aren't they? You go to, we're releasing another uh, strip. If you're a fan, you have to buy it. You do have to buy it because the kids go to school and they get bullied. And when the kids get bullied because they've not got the right strip, you've got to, I mean, obviously, if it's not Man United and it's sort of Rotherham United or... Somebody like that or Accrington Stanley. Nobody really gives a toss, do they? You know, you just turn up in your gym kit and that'll be enough. And just sort of right across the front of your white T-shirt, I support Accrington Stanley. But if you're a supporter of Man United or a supporter of Chelsea, you've got to have all the kit and not just the kit for playing in the park. You've got to have the away kit. You've got to have everything. And adults must have it too. The whole family must go out wearing the kit. Admittedly, they look a little bit tragic. Nothing worse going on a holiday to be confronted by people on the beach wearing 
Manchester United strip. But little kids run around kicking it. They don't know what it is. They've got no idea. Just put that on there. We're supporting Manchester United. All right, lad. I think they're the ones from Accrington Stanley who've wandered over because they don't really have a strip, do they? And uh, the producer would happily ban anybody aged 21 plus from wearing football shirts in public. Oh, generally speaking, people who wear football shirts in public, they're not the full, they're not the full shilling, are they? But, but, that, but if you support a team, you've got to buy it. I don't care. I mean, the producer has got a season ticket, because he's, he's, he's got the money, at a Premier League club. Okay, we're not saying which one it is, because it's a bit embarrassing for everybody. But he's got a season ticket. And do you have the strip? Do you have a football shirt? Thank you. I rest my case. You've got a... It doesn't matter. You've got a football shirt. And therein lies the problem. It's like if you're a fan of, of this programme or Nick Ferrari or whatever, and they bring out sort of a Steve Allen, you know, vest and pants set for Christmas, you're going to want to buy it. You're going to have to have it because Steve Allen wears it. So consequently, and if Nick Ferrari wears it, different size, of course, then, you know, people would be sort of saying, we've got to have it. LBC now doing the vest and pants stuff. And so if you're a football, I don't know what it would look like. Horrendous, I should imagine. Horrendous. I can't even imagine what the publicity pictures would look like. But if you're a fan of a football club, the ki- if you go to school and, you're, and the kids go, you're wearing last year's strip, they go... My dad said he wasn't going to buy anymore. Oh, well, you're out. You're not playing in our team. You've got to have all the up-to-date stuff. That's why Man United are the richest club. They just keep changing the strip. So that's the trouble. You know, football does generate money, doesn't it? I mean, really, really. You know, it's, a, it's, an, awful, it's an awful lot of money. TV rights are in the billions. Are they? See, the trouble is I have never, ever seen. And, uh, I mean, does that make me a bad person? But I've never, ever seen a football match. I've never watched a football match. I'm not remotely interested in a football match. I've never seen a rugby game. I've uh, I watched synchronised swimming quite a few times. I have never, but I've never seen anything. I've, I mean, I've flipped over the, the television and then I've, I've sort of gone, oh, right, there's a football match on. I go, I find something else. And I, I go on to something else. I, it's the most boring thing under the sun. I could never understand people who trek halfway across London, you know, come hella high water, flood, fire and pestilence to turn up in a football stadium. Yeah, hey, whoa, ref, you are blind. Ref, you, you know, it's just dreary. Get a life. Go make paper chains or something, you know, in a factory in China. Just don't go to football matches. And the people who turn up and they've, and they've got them. They've got scarves and everything. I mean, we get this with the rugby fans. We get this with the rugby fans, but at least they're sort of slightly, OK, yeah, OK, yeah, get the ball and run with it. You know, they're, they're not quite as sort of on the same level as the football fans. I mean, the producer tweeted the other day, he had a really miserable time on Saturday because his team lost badly on the other side of London. You know, but there again, they're just not up to the mark, are they? They're going to lose on this side of London or the other side of London. But if you've trekked there and you support them, but gradually the numbers start dwindling off until the end, there's just the groundsman there going, uh, just kick the ball, lads, and let's go home, shall we? That's what it's going to be like. It's a, I mean, I just don't get it. But that's, that's just me. I quite understand that there are people listening who support rugby and people who love it and they get caught up in it. I live in Twickenham. We don't have the rugby in Twickenham, as you know. It's in Witten, slightly more down market, but it's a nice big stadium and, uh, and kids have their picture taken with a statue which is outside the stadium. It's all lovely. Me, I couldn't care less. I'm just not a sporty person. I wouldn't be interested. I could no more wear a, a football sweater or jersey or shirt or whatever it is than I would walk around dressed as the sugar plum fairy from uh, from a ballet at Sadler's Wells. I mean, I just I just don't get it. 
I remember years ago, though, doing a story on the football clubs and how they, in an effort to generate money, they they just bring out another strip because they know that out of the thousands of fans, not just here, but over the world, they will be doing it. So, in fact, it used to be, was it Barcelona was the richest football club, I think, and now Manchester United have overtaken £555 million in a year. I mean, most clubs bring out at least two shirts every season. Why? Well, yeah, but why? What do, I mean, what is the purpose of that, apart from to rip fans off? I can't think of any other reason why you'd want to change the strip. It's like, if we had sort of, uh, you know, if I was wearing a T-shirt with Global on it, they're not going to be changing the logo every few years. They're going to keep it as, as Global. But the football teams do it because they love you fans so much and your easy pickings. They're easy. They just bring this out. And, of course, you know, if you go to the shops... You know, they'll be, you'll probably find the most bizarre set of stuff. I, would, I mean, I'm guessing, but I bet you anything at Man United, they've got sticks of rock with Manchester United written on it. It's the sort of thing, sweets with Manchester United written on it. Manchester United slippers, Manchester United. I mean, what is the sort of stuff that they sell in their gift shop there? Do give me a rundown on, here we go. They, they do, they do. It's unbelievable. They do do a Manchester United FC sticker rock. However, it's out of stock at the moment. It's currently unavailable. There's an answer, isn't there? And uh, it's an official licensed product. I mean, what are they saying? The team eat it before they go and play. What else have we got? What else have we got in their shop? Find me something in their shop. Here we go. You've got a Samat Busby Way, uh, an official street thing. Uh, then they've got socks, uh, pens. They've got a rug. You can have a rug with Manchester United written on it. You can have an FC scarf for £9.65, reduced from £12.50. Then they've got an official gift knitted Bronx beanie hat. That's lovely, isn't it? An official team air freshener. Make up your own jokes. A Manchester United heart charm. An embossed crested leather wallet, if you really are going down this route. They've also got baby on board sticker for Manchester United. Of course, that'll be very applicable. Uh, plus, they've got an overnight man's travelling... Travelling bag, a Manchester United mushroom garden gnome. Could be a player, I don't know. They've got a lanyard as well. Also, a football team official vinyl bath time duck. They go up to about £11.61. Uh, a guitar strap, because that's very important if you, if you play for Manchester United. Then they've got a bag here for a notebook. And then they've got a, 20, a calendar, a 2012 calendar. And that's going for twenty pounds. That is really super well. Well done, Man United suckers! Oh, look at that! There's a three hundred piece poker set, an aluminium carry case, perfect footy fan gift. If you're ri- oh my god, fathers, boys or kids, pajama onesie for Manchester United. My god, it's a pile of old tat. It really is, and that's why they're rich. That's why they're rich. My boss will be saying to me later on, my goodness, Steve, you know your stuff about football. It's only because I can't imagine, you know, what sort of person would be indoctrinated into buying this tat. Seriously, I could understand maybe buying a shirt, you know, to support the season. I mean, there is even Crystal Palace, yeah, Crystal Palace Monopoly. I mean, I ask you, what's that got to do with football? Absolutely nothing. It's called... You know, let's try and drag as many sovereigns out of the fans as we possibly can. Crystal Palace Connect 4. Well, you're playing that in the stands? I suppose you'd have to, really. There's not much action going on on the pitch, is there, really? And uh, and somebody says, get James O'Brien to take you to the Kidderminster Harriers game. The Kidderminster who? Who are they? Answer, if you think Crystal Palace are bad, the Kidderminster Harriers are off the scale. 
I mean, they can only play if the people who work behind the bar in the local Kidderminster pub are free on that Saturday. That's the only reason it works. Dreadful. I mean, for those trying to guess, Crystal Palace is the producer's chosen team. He did it out of sympathy. He literally put a load of sad, sad football teams in, you know, bits, bits of paper, dropped them in a mug, picked one out, and he got Crystal Palace. I mean, he agrees they're rubbish. Although somebody's written here, your producer obviously supports Chelsea. Oh, please don't get me going on Chelsea. Please don't get me going on Chelsea. It's just a way to make money. You know, if, if, I'd, if my parents had pushed me in the football department, you know, then it would have been a bit different. But, I mean, I didn't do football at school. I did rugby and athletics. So I did high jump, long jump, 100 metres, and that was about it. Relay race, swimming, that kind of stuff. But uh, nothing, nothing particularly adventurous. That probably explains a lot. That probably explains why I'm a radio presenter. But uh, somebody says I laughed out loud, Steve. Nick, Nick Ferrari's underpants. Well, it could be a gift set for Christmas, couldn't it? Steve Allen on LBC. Desert Island Discs, the Roy Plumley show, which is now hosted by Kirsty Young. Uh, it just celebrates 75 years. And so you'd have thought for 75 years... Um, they would pick somebody like a Nobel Prize winner. They would pick somebody, you know, somebody absolutely fantastic. Somebody top of their game. Somebody who the public want to hear from. And they get David Beckham. So people quite rightly have criticised the BBC because it's our BBC. Do you remember that? They're constantly saying it's your BBC. Well, I'll tell you what, you pick badly on that one. You know, so they pick some bloke who advertises pants and whiskey. You know, he might have played football, but it was a long, long time ago. They're an attention-seeking family. Do you seriously believe that David Beckham knows everything about Desert Island Discs? You've got to pick a book, David. Oh, goody, colouring. No, no, dear, you've got to pick a book that you would take to read on the Desert Island. I'll take Victoria. Yeah, but, but you have to sort of, you have to pick a book to read. And uh, a music. Do you listen to a lot of music? I like Coldplay. Yeah, um, would you be picking any of the Spice Girls? I don't like the Spice Girls. Oh, right. Would you not be taking any of the Spice Girls music with you? What would, what would be your highlight? I think when Victoria stopped singing, that was, that was my highlight. OK, so um, and do, do you have a good relationship? You know, do all the kids listen to music? We listen to Teletubbies. OK, and um, do you have favourite songs? Tinky Winky did a song. You could have so much fun, couldn't you, David Beckham, on, on Desert Island Discs. I wonder what, how much editing. Do you think the, the producer went, oh, there's a lot of editing on this one. I can't see him actually get... He doesn't strike me as just... Because all he does is he poses. He doesn't actually chat, does he, really? You know, to actually get Dave to say something is like a bit of an achievement. It's a bit like pulling teeth. So, come on, Dave. So, um, so what would be your first record? I don't know. Um, do you have favourites? Do, do you like sort of... Be- like the Beatles. Right. How about... I'll tell you what you want, what you really, really want. Well, I don't like that. OK. And uh, Mama, we love... Don't like that one either. Which ones do you like, then? I liked it when Victoria didn't sing. It could be about as good as it gets, couldn't it? This might actually be quite entertaining, actually, on reflection. <laughs> uh, Steve, the best David Beckham ever. It's as if he was sitting next to me. We, we actually decided I could probably record a whole thing that would be David Beckham on Desert Island Discs with Kirsty. So tell me, uh, you know, what do you like about this Desert Island? It hasn't got Victoria on it. You know, I can't touch my money. Oh, does Victoria take your money a lot? She does. How, how much has she taken? I don't know, lots. Lots. So, so what do you do to relax, Dave? I do jigsaws. Oh, right, OK. What sort of jigsaws do you do? I'm doing one at the moment, and it's, it's a picture of a cockerel. 
and it's nice. OK. Sure they're not just cornflakes and you just emptied them out of the box, Dave? Oh, I don't know. Might be, mightn't it? What was the other one you couldn't achieve? I got one London by night. Oh, right. What's that? Just all black. Just all black. We've got to find the pieces. I mean, what would he talk about? Do you think he will get plugs in? Do you think they'll allow him to do plugs for all the products that he gets paid to endorse? Because there are loads of them, actually. There are loads of, of, of things, you know, apart from pants and whiskey. And I'm still convinced that Dave Beckham has never been tiddled in his entire life. I mean, that would be the picture, because every time he comes out and she's a bit, she's a bit tiddly, he's got that face on him, which makes him trying to look terribly butch and all the way. He sort of comes out there dragging her out by her hair, but being quite careful. You know, Victoria's like, oh, how drinky poos. Victoria Beckham. Fashion. Well, maybe not, maybe not the flared trousers. That wasn't really fashion, was it? That was just a joke outfit. And uh, so what would he talk about? I mean, do you think he even understands about the endorsements? He probably doesn't understand that at all. He probably has no idea about endorsements. And uh, they'll, have to, they'll have to just cut it all out. Very embarrassing. Steve Allen on LBC. The £4.50 sandwich, which cost this girl who worked for EasyJet her job uh, because she didn't pay for it. She basically thieved it because she had a nut allergy. I don't quite understand how a nut allergy and thieving come into the same equation. But anyway, it obviously did. And uh, because she hadn't had anything to eat. Uh, her name's Shannon Gleeson. She's worked for them for three years. Do you think... I mean, I, I mean, has this not cropped up before? So she ate this uh, bacon sandwich given to her by a manager. Now, strangely enough, the reason she was fired is because she didn't ask for a receipt. So she'd breached company policy. EasyJet admitted that they have no system in place which tells them how many sandwiches have been eaten or how many have been eaten by the staff flying the plane. I mean, it does seem a bit ludicrous, doesn't it? It's a £4.50 bacon sandwich. But you can imagine, if the entire crew all ate the food intended for the, for the customers, then there would be a slight problem. Anyway, so um, What's-Her-Face is, uh, is expecting a baby now, Shannon, 22. So that's good, isn't it? That's a good, good thing to have in your career. So she's only been with them for three years. And so she flies EasyJet. But anyway, a fellow crew member told the company, <laughs> they're right sneaks on this plane, aren't they? A fellow crew member said uh, that she'd seen, so that's a woman, uh, Ms Gleeson and the cabin manager eating a bacon baguette and a croque monsieur meant for customers. Excuse me, excuse me, I've seen them eating croque monsieur, excuse me. Could narrow it down. Anyway, Miss Gleeson, who'd been employed for three years, was later called to a meeting. She apologised for the incident, offered to pay back the £4.50, but was sacked alongside the cabin manager. The interesting thing is here, uh, she ate this bacon baguette and she'd not paid for it. That is the extent of the mistake. The judge added, if I rang my insurance company and told them my Rolls-Royce Silver Shadow had been stolen, they'd want to see proof that I owned it. Of course. So, in this particular case, the bloke from, uh, from EasyJet was asked in court, so if somebody brought you a cup of tea and brought tea for everybody there. Would you ask for a receipt? Yes, he said. I would ask for a receipt. God, I tell you. And this is the Ross, Ross Fraser, who is the manager. He says, it doesn't say it in black and white, but the expectation is there. There is regular communication to all of the cabin crew. Judge Ord asked Mr Fraser, Ross Fraser, if they worked together and he brought back a cup of tea for everybody, would you ask me for a receipt? I would have refused the tea, Mr Fraser said. <laughs> I think there was an element of choice. But anyway, the paperwork, because it didn't show it, doesn't mean it hasn't been stolen. 
And so Judge Ord questioned the fairness of the decision to fire her for gross misconduct. It is, at the end of the day, a £4.50 sandwich. She didn't take it from the trolley. She wasn't responsible for ensuring it was paid for. She accepted what had happened through and was open and honest. She apologised straight away and she's now got three years unblemished praise, praiseworthy service. And, um, and so she was fired. EasyJet have settled the matter with Miss Gleeson, so can't comment any further. In other words, they probably admitted liability. They've had to. They've paid her money. They've obviously paid money. And um, they say they can well understand policies and the honesty of our employees is really important. It was a bacon baguette. That's all it was. It was just a bacon baguette. It was, and she offered to pay you the four pound. Well, you can't do that. I mean, she'd only accepted the sandwich because she had a nut allergy, and she'd not been find, able to find safe food to eat whilst working abroad. Take sandwiches, darling. Take sandwiches next time, or a sausage roll, or something. Just take something. Just don't, uh, don't. Well, you won't be taking your sandwich because you're not working for them anymore. But at the end of the day, it was just a four pound fifty sandwich. That's all it was. It wasn't anything really more than that. But they've uh, because they've actually settled it out of court. They don't want to talk about it anymore. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? £4.50 for a bacon roll. It's cheaper to go to Greg's. One ninety nine in Greg's. If she if she got the plane to land at Greg's, she could have had a bacon and sausage fresh bap with butter on. One ninety nine, Much better value than EasyJet. £4.50 for a bacon baguette. Where are you coming from? Gatwick, mate. Luton. Anywhere. Anywhere that doesn't employ people who want to eat a sandwich because they've got a nut allergy. Somebody said, uh, Steve, first a baguette, what next? Seats, duty-free, and then the plane vanishes, and everybody's just sitting on the runway. Who's got it? Dunno, she was gifted it or something. It just vanished, didn't it? You're right. It always, it's funny, that, isn't it? And, and, and actually, even though it's very funny, there is more than an element of truth. It's like the person working in the shop, OK? And we all know people who work in shops. I've worked in a shop. And, uh, and you pinch something. It doesn't matter whether you work in a sweet shop or a cigarette shop, you pinch something. And if you get away with it and nobody says anything, do it again. I used to work, Steve, uh, for a big company at Heathrow. When the transatlantic flights would arrive and all the passengers had disembarked, we'd go to first class, eat the breakfast, which were left over and hadn't been required. They were delicious. Bacon, sausages, eggs, nice little perk. One day we were cautioned and threatened with the sack if we did it again. It seemed ridiculous as they couldn't be used again and were only going to be thrown away. Well, do you remember at one time, you know, you could always tell if you were going around to somebody's house and they worked for the airline because all the drinks were little miniature bottles, little miniature <coughs> vodkas and whiskies and everything else. So uh, so that's that's why I didn't name the aircraft because I should imagine it probably still goes on uh, with, with people wanting to eat the food that's left over. But what? But so what? But um, if you do take stuff, remember, it's stealing. It's exactly the same as this company, and we're a very, very big company. If I started using the phone out in the office for my personal calls, and I've never, ever... Isn't it funny? Only because I don't know how to use the phone here. And it, it, that might sound ridiculous, but I promise you, I've got no idea how the phones operate. Um, if you use that for your own personal good, you've thieved from the company. You know, if I take, you know... And I, I will be... I have taken a couple of things from this company... I don't, I don't hold my hands up and say I've practically moved a studio or anything like that. But I, I did take a mug. Well, two, two, two mugs, actually. Three. <laughs> because we've, we've got branded mugs for all the radio stations. And I, I did take a couple. I mean, I feel a bit guilty about it. But, you know, what the heck. At least I'm holding my... All right, hang me, hang me. You know, what can I do? And, uh, and they're very, they're very pretty. And I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite proud of them, actually. Yeah. 
You took a computer. Oh, computers are OK, yeah. I wanted to remove the shower from downstairs, but I just couldn't get it in the car. It wouldn't fold up in time. <laughs> Those are all the highlights I've got time for this morning. Don't forget, I'm back live from five o'clock tomorrow morning and we'll be with you for the 4am spike all next week too. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.